Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Mike Heller Show. Brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Made pure. Everyone loves White Claws. Call or text the show at 1-877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Heller Sports. Alongside John Adias, here's Mike Heller. So we get things started on this Friday afternoon. Going to fly solo throughout the show today. Uh, John Adiasi is off, but filled in with uh, some guests as we go through the afternoon. Brian Butch at 235, Matt LaPay 335. Talk a little weather and stuff with John Ziegler, Channel 27 meteorologist at 20 minutes past four. Doesn't mean we don't have a lot to talk about, but let me throw this out there as we begin. The Stone Innovations talking text line, more open today than most days. Because I'm here without John. All right? So 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. Let me tell you what I'm thinking about here today. Some of it has to do with the NBA. Not a deep dive into the NBA, but just sort of a, a view of what this looks like right now. I'm watching last night multiple different games from time to time. I was also watching some high school basketball on live streams and uh, you know, they, it's filled and fraught with with heartbreak and those who have great joy, they get to move on for the boys tournament now to the sectional finals on Saturday afternoon and the right to go to state. So I was watching some of that uh, as well as the NBA last night. But here's what I'm figuring out on the NBA. At, at some fault of their own, but really can hardly be helped, there is, now stop me if you've heard this before, there is little or no defense being played in the league. Just just check out the the list of, for those who pay attention, the list of over-under numbers in the NBA. Or in this case, like last night's NBA scores. Because the concept of this is not lost on me. The idea of what we're seeing in the lack of defensive stops only when the game hangs in the balance. So winning teams last night, Sixers score 111. Brooklyn scores 129. The Knicks scored 140. Memphis scored 122. The Wizards 112. The Bucks 129. In fact, total points in the Bucks game were 254 points. So it gets me to the to the idea that says, okay, this is not new, but this is really accentuated. At a level that we just really probably haven't seen since the NBA ABA days. So I'll look at like projected over under numbers tonight. This is total score in the game. Indiana and Boston, that over under number is 219. Houston and Toronto, it's 220. 
Sacramento and Detroit, it's 227. Another game, 226, 224, 218, 228, 222, 233 and a half. Those are over-under numbers tonight in the NBA, which in other words is saying that they believe that the winning team is going to average about 115 points tonight. There was a, you know, listen, I don't long for the old days all the time, but they are really not playing a whole lot of D, and they understand, and, and here's the byproduct. Here's, here's the reason. The NBA, if you're good, it doesn't matter right now. If you think you have a shot, it doesn't matter. Giannis was interviewed last night by the TNT crew after the Bucks got their win against the New Orleans Pelicans. And he was asked about where the Bucks are in the standings and if it's important to move up from their current three seed in the Eastern Conference and move up. And Giannis simply said, no, it's not. It's about getting better and being ready for the postseason, but the seed doesn't matter. They all know it. They all understand that all of this is for entertainment purposes only until after May 15th. That's when the regular season will be complete. And that's when it will matter. But right now, it is television, some gate, very little. It's television and trying to stay healthy and working on some certain things. But the Bucks have, coming from their leader last night, have no specific interest in the concept of being a higher seed. If the stadiums are filled, maybe it becomes more important. Well, I shouldn't say maybe. If the stadiums are filled, it becomes more important. So part of this is a byproduct of COVID and not having uh, large numbers of fans or you know nothing more than 25% in any of the arenas and no promise that it will be greatly different come May and June into early July when the NBA season will end in the, the NBA Finals. But the Bucs at 20-13, and 13, they're two games behind Philadelphia, a game and a half behind Brooklyn, the number one and number two seeds in the Eastern Conference. But it doesn't matter right now if you catch them. And that's why you're just not seeing defense being played. When a team does decide to play defense, it's different. And therein lies the worry for me. Not not I'm losing sleep about worry, but about the Milwaukee Bucks. Because I still don't see this team as dramatically different from the one that has been beaten in the postseason each of the last two years. And that style of play. And that TNT crew says the same thing. Brian Butch will say the same thing when he joins us just after 2.30 is that the way the Bucks go about their offensive business, and in particular Giannis, is a regular season killer. They'll dominate. And in the postseason, they'll dominate against an inferior opponent. But when they play an equal or somebody that is on their level, it's going to be hard to run this type of offense and have great success all the way through the postseason. The book is out. Toronto wrote it, Miami followed it, and nothing, very little, has changed about this version, this style of what the Bucs do. And this goes back in part 
to the concept of how long you get to coach in the league, uh, Coach Budenholzer, Mike Budenholzer, has a ridiculous record. Going is, is, here's this will probably surprise some of you. Going into this season, when this season began, Bud's record in Milwaukee is one sixteen and thirty nine. That's a seven forty eight winning percentage. That is easily the best of active current coaches in the NBA. Now, the longer you coach, the more you're going to be subject to having some really bad teams. And if you get through it, like Steve Kerr is 337 and 138. He's got a 709 winning percentage. But again, coaches in the NBA are judged by how they coach in the postseason. And Bud's teams haven't gotten to the NBA Finals. So... At the end of 19 and the end of 20, his two postseason runs, the Bucks finish in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals with a six-game out against Toronto. Last year, they finished in a second round out against Miami and didn't even get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So you're not long for the league in a curtain situation if you can't win in the postseason. So there are people already who have grown grown some semblance of impatience with Coach Bud. And, you know, he had a really, really outstanding year, one of his years in Atlanta before coming to Milwaukee. His regular season record is ridiculously good. Um, but he'll his judgment will be in May and June, potentially. They should be able to handle a first-round opponent. So I think the real judgment on Bud will be in June. And it got me thinking about coaches and this state of coaches. And I'm going to leave the college game out of it for now. But as I think about coaches, I'm going to spend some time on this in the segment coming up. So if you want to weigh in, you can. But I think about those three professional coaches. Coach Bud with the Bucks, Craig Council with Milwaukee. I have an interesting number on him. And Matt LaFleur with the Green Bay Packers. And all three are having great success by comparison in state to predecessors and the historical data on coaches that have been in charge of the Bucks, Brewers, and Packers. One, to me, has the greatest job security. One is the least job security. It's not close. And the other is, is in the middle. And some will unfairly say it's kind of too early to tell. So we'll get into some of that conversation as we run through the afternoon as well. Let me remind you, the Stone Innovations Talking Text Line is open for you. In fact, it is more open today than it is on normal days because Audius is away. So I'd love to have you as part of the show today. It's kind of like on the phone uh, co-hosting a short segment. You know, I get to decide how long you stay, but the line is open, 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. Brian Butch will join us just after 2.30. Uh, he will be in talking a little Badgers, a little Bucks as well, a little Big Ten. Matt LaPay in about 90 minutes, 3.35 on the program. And then a, a number of other things we'll discuss with John Ziegler, Channel 27 meteorologist, who will join us at 20 minutes past 4 o'clock today. also want to get into the power of players in the NFL. There, There's a contingent of the fan base that will look at what Deshaun Watson is doing and will look at maybe what Russell Wilson is doing and look at that concept and say it's flawed. Well, they're just late to the party 
those decisions among players have been made in other leagues for years and years and years. It's just late to the NFL party, and in particular with quarterbacks. So we'll spend some time on that conversation as well. When we come back, I want to talk about these three coaches, Coach Bud, Craig Council, Matt LaFleur, where they are, and who is succeeding at the greatest level, and then I'll lay out what is next on each of those fronts as well. A little coaching time spent here from you as well on the Stone Innovations Talking Text Line, 877-729-1070. We welcome you in on a Friday afternoon as we roll through on a Friday Three hours a day, every day. This is the Mike Heller Show presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. We are Fox Sports 1070 and on the iHeartRadio app. We continue on the Mike Keller Show on this Friday afternoon, three hours a day, every day, presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Well, Monday through Friday, that's what I consider every day. Uh, we welcome you aboard. No John Audius today, so we do have room for you. That means the Stone Innovations Talk and Text Line, 877-729-1070, is more open than normal. I got this on the Talk and Text Line during the break uh, from the 715, uh, talking about NBA coaches, seed lines, to a certain extent, uh, he says, although there is, well, this person says, although there is some credence to what you're saying, please look up what seeds have won the NBA championship. Uh, that's Oz in Wausau. So, um, so Oz, I did that. And, and to the point, so Giannis postgame last night with the TNT crew after the Bucks beat New Orleans was asked about the seed line and where the Bucks are and are is their goal to move up or however that works. And um, I think, you know, sometimes players is going to give an answer, and his answer was it doesn't matter um, from a seed point standpoint. The Bucs are at three right now behind Brooklyn and behind Philadelphia. Here's, here's the issue on that, and then to Oz's point, when you look at the NBA tournament and the seed line that wins the tournament, Last year, the Lakers were a one seed. The year before, Toronto, who beat the Bucs in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals, they were the two seed. The year before that, Golden State was the two seed. The year before that, Golden State was the one. Cleveland, a one. Golden State, a one. San Antonio, one. Miami, a one. Miami, the year before that, a two. The last time somebody that wasn't a one or two seed won the NBA title was 2011, the Dallas Mavericks. And then even prior to that, the three years prior to that, the one seed, the one seed, and the one seed. So it, it, there's a history since about 2000. Well, I mean, really, it's, it goes much longer. The last time somebody not in the one, two, or three line that won the NBA title is all the way back to the 1995 Houston Rockets. They were a six. Beat the Orlando Magic in the NBA Finals. Since then, the vast majority of the NBA champions are one seed. Well, there's a reason for that. See, I think this year it's it's COVID that is empty arenas changes the way the game is played. 
There, there's less buzz. There's less want to. There is less adrenaline flowing. Making your own adrenaline, and somebody's going to say, well, they're making enough money they can generate their own. Okay, sure. Sounds good. It's not the reality. The reality is playing in a quiet, empty arena doesn't have the same buzz, the same adrenaline rush as you do if there are 18,000 in there, whether they're your fans or the other team's fans. So I think that's an impact. However, this is really what I was getting at. Coach Bud has a very good run of success in Milwaukee in his two full seasons, and now this is the third. Now, first season, full season. Go to the NBA Eastern Conference Finals, up to nothing against Toronto, and then Nick Nurse and the Raptors found an answer. They built a wall, and Giannis couldn't get to the rim, and the Bucks never settled that issue. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. They never satisfied what was going on at that uh, multiple overtime game. If they'd have won it, could have changed everything. They didn't and bowed out, kind of whimpered out in the rest of that Eastern Eastern Conference Finals. So Coach Bud is going to be viewed, whether it's fair or not fair, it's not up to me to decide. I think this is the reality of it. I've been watching this long enough to feel that this is the deal. If the Bucks don't get again to the Eastern Conference Finals, or if it is construed to be style of play, that is their bow out in the NBA postseason. It's gonna be it's gonna be focused on Coach Bud. It's gonna be system driven. I think it can be system driven here. These are very extraordinary times. Don't need to tell you that. But that short off season and really no camp and the development of players is is different. You didn't have the full off season for players to get away, and then really re-energize and focus on things that they need to do better, that window of opportunity wasn't really open. Are the Bucks better right now than they were a year ago? Well, that's a simple answer, and that answer is no. But that won't be the judgment. The judgment will come in the first week of June. Are the Bucks working into the Eastern Conference Finals? Or if they're a first or second round out? Whether it's fair or not, that judgment will determine Coach Bud's future in Milwaukee. I would argue this, that the success being had by Budenholzer, Craig Council, and Matt LaFleur is, if not unprecedented, it's close. Craig Council, since taking over in May of 2015, finding the Brewers into the postseason three different times, 
that's that's a run that we just haven't seen the likes of. And Council being a, a Milwaukee, you know, icon, having grown up in the state, played there for the Brewers, and now returning in that role, Council's in a really enviable position. I think he's the most secure of these three coaches who have all had great success. Matt LaFleur is not getting the run nor the credit I think he deserves, but it's also early. People are going to look at the Packers' success. Matt LaFleur, two years, is 28-8, and eight, has played in the NFC Championship game as a head coach in the only two years he's been a head coach in the NFL. And that record is extraordinary. That playoff mark is extraordinary. However, the honeymoon ended on a coaching decision late in the game of the NFC Championship against Tampa, and the honeymoon has always been tied to Aaron Rodgers. So when does that change? Matt LaFleur has had a a ridiculous start to his career as head coach of the Green Bay Packers. But of these three head coaches, Craig Council has the greatest security with the Brewers, despite not getting all the way home, and Matt LaFleur isn't either. Council was the manager, game seven of a National League Championship Series at home against the Dodgers. They didn't get home. Matt LaFleur has been the head coach of the Packers in two NFC Championship games, one on the road that they lost badly in Santa Clara against the 49ers, and the other at home that they lost to Tampa in, many would argue, they could have, should have, would have found a way to win. The guy who we don't, who has the least job security easily has, you know, put up the best numbers comparatively. Uh, it's hard to compete with Matt LaFleur in 28 and 8. I'm talking about Coach Bud, though, from a regular season record when he began this year. Coach Bud in a league that it's, you know, it's really hard to win at high levels. He's got a 748, essentially a 750 winning percentage. Yikes. I mean, that, that's a crazy number. And yet, I think he's coaching on a bit of a hot seat because that's the way the league works. That's the way the NBA works. It is not judged on what you do in the regular season. It is judged on what you do in the postseason. And even though the Bucks have played in the NBA Eastern Conference Final, last year they didn't. And if they don't this year, then I think it's shaky. Whether that is... Fair or unfair, not for me to judge, because that's an ownership decision. That's a general manager ownership decision on the job status of a head coach. And if that status is deemed to be based on what you do in the postseason, then that's the grade. You know, I talked about this a lot with college basketball. Certainly, it's really the deal in the NBA, is that college basketball and the NBA – 90% of your grade is the final exam. So for college basketball, that's the NCAA tournament. That's your final exam. 85 to 90% of your grade is on your final exam, and you know that going in. In the NBA, it's almost 100% of your grade on the final exam because, by the way, if you don't make it to the final exam, that's the the playoffs, the tournament that the NBA has every year, you you get about two years. You, You get two years to coach in the NBA if you don't get a team to the playoffs. And then if you're in the playoffs, that is your judgment. That's your final exam. 
And that's kind of how it works. So Coach Bud, ridiculous numbers. And he's coached in the East Conference Finals. And last year was an aberration because they're in the bubble. But if Bud doesn't get to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, how does that play itself forward? That's why would anybody want to be a coach? <laughs> that, I mean, th- there is the, there's the dilemma. You know, at some level, the, the game really does pay you very well, but there is zero job security in, in the NBA. From a, from a head coach standpoint, with rare exception, I mean, Popovich, but ridiculous success. Steve Kerr, but with ridiculous success. There are some, but for most, the idea of that success is fleeting and make your money while you can, right? Because it doesn't last. I want to talk a little bit uh, deeper in this. Uh, We'll visit with Brian Butch. I'll just give you a little concept here in case, because I had to look it up to figure out, well, what are we talking about here from, uh, from a earnings standpoint and in the NBA, that uh, that head coaching position from a dollar's value is uh, it, it's not great. It depends on where you are. Certainly doesn't compare to the players. It's upside down from what you can do in the college game, right? In the college game, uh, it's just different. Uh, about two million a year, essentially, for Coach Bud with the Bucks. It's good money, right? Well, yeah, it is. You can get there, but there's not a whole lot of job security built into it. Uh, we'll visit with Brian Butch, former Badger, former NBAer. Brian Butch will join us. We'll talk a little Bucks basketball, a little NBA, a little college hoop with Brian, some other things, whatever else comes up. He's prepared for all. The talking text line open for you, 877-729-1070. We welcome you aboard. It's a Friday, three hours a day every day. This is the Mike Heller Show presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. We are Fox Sports 1070 and on the iHeartRadio app. There's some big money floating around. I bring up big money when we bring in big, sexy Brian Butch on the program. Brian Butch, how are you, sir? I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing great. <laughs> I didn't. I know what you do for a living. So when I'm talking about big money, I was talking about the media rights that are going to be announced with the NFL and ABC Disney at some point next week. Um, you know, when we wonder about where these leagues are, all you have to do is look from a viability standpoint. You look at the TV deals that they put together. My goodness, the NFL is the king, right? I mean, from from a money standpoint. So they're talking about the the deal with ABC and Disney and the NFL likely to be announced early next week is going to be mega. No surprise. Oh, no surprise. And that's why the NFL is what they are and that's why they continue to grow and that's why the popularity continues to grow and I think that's the big thing when you look at this. 
Yeah, t- talking about, uh, I know that the NFL is going to deny that there's a deal right now, but uh, sure. there, there, is a, there is a deal. Until they announce that there isn't a deal, but you know that there is, is a deal. I was, so I'm watching the NBA last night, and I, I know you were spending some time with College Hoop too. Michigan, by the way, is just so good. I mean, they are so good. So I'll get to the NBA in a minute. Um, watching that Michigan-Iowa game last night and Jawan Howard and that coaching staff and that talent on the court – and some talent coming into the program. Uh, I thought Beeline had them in a good position, and certainly Jawan Howard's reaping some of that benefit, but there just aren't many weaknesses with what Michigan puts on the court. There really isn't. And you look at the new additions that they have, and I think that's the biggest thing that I take away. Um, you know, Mike Smith, what he's able to do, Dickinson, the big fella. They had pieces that were there already, but they've added new pieces and I mean, they're so deep. They can they defend right. They score at all, you know, from three, free throw line. Get the ball on the block when they need to. They don't have those long droughts. Like there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten that have these long scoring droughts. Now a lot of it's because the defense of the Big Ten is really good. Wisconsin fits into one of those teams that has long droughts. Indiana fits into the team of the long droughts. Rutgers is a team that fits in those of long droughts. Um, Purdue would be a team that fits in those of long droughts of not scoring the basketball. Like I said, a lot of that is Big Ten and, and the defense that's played by the Big Ten teams, but you just don't see that with Michigan. Yeah, and uh, I think Iowa is close, but I think you see the discrepancy. And, you you know, you get to the tournament and it's any given night, right? I mean, you know, Michigan has – I think their their weaknesses are few, Um but still, anybody can beat somebody on, on that night of the tournament. Um, but what do you see in what Jawan Howard has put together? I know that the broadcasters love to talk about the coaching staff uh, with Martelli and, and what he's done mm-hmm. in that regard. But what do you see with, with what Jawan Howard has put together? Well, I think instantly he had the credibility, right? Like, and I think that's the first thing. And then you know, the difference between coming from an NBA bench to becoming a college head coach. And then you've added different guys. Like Martelli, obviously, was a great hire. As soon as that happened, that was a great hire because you needed a guy that knew what it was like. Like, he was one of the most underappreciated coaches at St. Joe's. He just was. Like, the teams that he had um, and the win at St. Joe's was not easy. They won. They got the Final Four. Like, they had that. So, you had a guy that had the experience. He brings a little bit of NBA flavor with some of his offensive sets that they get into which I think is a good thing. Um, and then the credibility that he brought as far as just the fact that he'd been in the league, he played at Michigan. Like, guys listen to that. Uh, guys understand that. Like, he can walk into a room and command room. And they also respect that he put his time in, too. It's not like he was just a foreign player that was handling the job. He was on NBA benches for, I think, close to 10 years. Like, he put his time in, and I think all of that leads to why kids want to come play for him but also why they're good, because what he's running is good actions. I mean, it's not like he just stepped into it and didn't put his time in. Like, there's a lot of college coaches that scam these committees and these search parties to get these jobs. That's why I think it's the biggest. We, to, these search parties, are, I think, are one of the biggest scams out there <laughs> because there's a lot of guys that scam those as far as coaches that come in and give them wheel them and deal them and get a job and they're not they're not there there's there's no substance to what they are they're just a lot of talk 
Um, and there's a lot of college coaches that can talk great, and that's part of the gig. But you got to have the X's zone. I think Jawan Howard has all of it. Would you sit on uh, Michigan, Baylor, Gonzaga, or the field? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, hmm. This year is so unique. Yeah, it is. So, so unique. I, I think um, just, you know, well, you mull it. I, I think I'd take the three and give you the field. Because I, I, yeah, think, well, I think the champion is going to come from those three. I think a lot of people do. Gonzaga has been brilliant. Baylor has two. And Michigan, although they played fewer games, uh, I think those three are clearly separate from the rest. Uh, normally, I'd say I take the field. Yeah. Right? Like normally, give me the majority of it, especially in what this is. But but those three, I'd probably take that. But since you took them, <laughs> I'll take the field. You okay. know, I just we'll All put right. a we'll put a, a pizza on it. Or yeah, something. yeah. So since well, you did that, I'll take the rest. At least if I did that and lost to you, I expect that that um, that I will pay, and that if you lost, that you would pay. Our audience is off today, but he never pays oh, on he's a pizza, but yeah, never. No. Like never, I don't ever recall him paying up on a pizza bet. Certainly in yeah, no, a long time. No, no, yeah. that's not his mo. You know, he's probably trying to get some baseball cards. Yeah, he is. I saw the tweet. Uh, he took his uh, on his day <laughs> off. He took his daughter to Target to go baseball or card shopping. That's and he stood in line for thirty minutes because that's what it takes to get. Anyway, uh, it's a it's a topic for another day. He's not in today. Let me ask you about um, defense in the NBA. Listen, this is an old storyline, right, that they don't play defense in the NBA. I haven't seen it quite as lax, and maybe it's a product, I think it's a product of COVID and empty arenas, but nobody's playing defense. I mean, the over-under numbers are extraordinary. Every night, winning teams are averaging in the 118 to 125 range. Um, is it different right now, and is are the arenas part of it with no fans? I think it's different. I think the players and the systems are different. Now, it's the analytics have come into the game where we're shooting threes or we're getting. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The rim, that's it. So there's nights that, you know, and that's why I think the Bucks have been so rocky up and down all the time. Because that's they live and die by threes. If you make a bunch of them, you're going to score a lot of points. If you don't, you're going to lose games, and you're not going to score as much points. And as crazy as that sounds, I think there's a lot of that. You know, if we just look at the Bucks, I think defensively they're not as good um, as they have been. I think part of that's an energy thing that that a crowd gives you. I, I do think that plays a little bit of a factor. Um, but I think the big thing, Mike, more than anything, is they didn't have an off season. Yeah, they just no didn't. Kidding. Yeah. And I think guys are tired. I think the product we're seeing 
is being diluted right now because they didn't have that time to recharge their batteries. They went from playing to maybe a couple weeks to, okay, now i got to get my body right again. And then, you know what, I'm just going to hold off here a little bit because i got to try to find a way. So I think a lot of it is just you try to cram two seasons into each other, and yeah. that, the byproduct is what's in front of us. I'm watching Zion play last night. Now, I obviously see them play in other games, but I'm watching the whole game last night. Um, he is as unique a, an athlete as there is in the game right now. I think he's he's got Barkley's size, but he's more explosive. And Barkley, in his peak, was very explosive. Tell me what you see when you watch Zion play. I see an athlete that still needs to grow his game if he yeah. wants to be considered one of the best. I see a guy with an athletic ability that's able to score on the rim with the best in the world. Now, does he take the next step to become one of the best? Or is he just known as that athlete that is great? Is he a Blake Griffin, right? Yeah. Like, to me, to me, that's where it is. Like Blake never took that next step to be one of the great greats because he didn't take that his outside shot to develop. Right. And there's so, still no shot he, in his game, right? I mean, he, I, I, they just they just dare him to shoot anything. They don't play defense until almost the restricted circle uh, underneath the hoop. Correct, exactly. And for me, like he's still going to make two hundred and three hundred million, and he'll still like. But is he going to be known as one of the greats? Is he going to be known as like a Charles Barkley at least, or is it just kind of like a like a you know like Griffin, where it's just he was all right and. Okay, he's gonna. You know, when you rely just on your athletic ability, and then you get hurt, your your productivity decreases. That's what we've seen in Blake as far as him. And you know, now in Detroit, and just I mean, it's done. with he's done is, and he still collects paychecks. He's still part of, it, but yeah. like, what it could be was done because he never took that next developmental stage uh, of his game, and that's what Zion needs to do. So that, that's really what I see. In him. I'm also, you know, I talked about this in the segment prior to you joining about the view and the judgment on the box. Now they found a bit of a winning streak here as well of late, but you know, I've asked you this a couple other times uh, on your Friday appearances as to when we get a more realistic view of what this team will be when it's all said and done. And I think you're of the same mindset that I am. We won't know until May and June. To me, the first week of June, that's the second round of the NBA playoffs. That's when you begin to assess where the Bucks are and if they're real. Yeah, no, and you look at it. I mean, Drew Holiday hasn't played now recently, so there's another you know thing that happens as far as how do you evaluate without him in the lineup. Um, and I do think that's where we find out. And, and maybe that's why I'll, I'll be completely honest, like, for me, I obviously I've been dialed into college basketball a lot more too, and that plays a factor. Um, but I have not dove into a Bucks game where I'm really diving into it. I've had it on, but as far as dive into, you know, like just sit down yeah. and really evaluate. Um, I think I've done it three games, which for me is a is a low low amount, and it's because it really doesn't matter what I evaluate because that's not what's how this plays out. Like defensively, I watched the game. I said, I can't watch this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't. Like it just wasn't good. It was, you know, and then offensively, I watched, turned it or sat down, like was diving into a game about halftime. I said, I'm done. Like it's just bad basketball. 
And I think now I'll say this. I, I did watch one recently. It's starting to be in a situation where defensively they're starting to play a little bit better. Offensively they're starting to play a little bit better. Now, them playing a little bit better, Mike, still is not them playing their best like it was the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Well, but that goes that goes for for the for the whole NBA. Oh, I agree. Yeah, and, and I think that the game has changed. I think the last year and a half, well, the last year from when they had to part, uh, when they had to stop the NBA season on Rudy Gobert's test, which is um, almost exactly a year ago. It's two weeks shy of being a year to the date. Um, from that point forward, it's not fair to judge the current NBA because playing uh, the way they've had to and bubbled and in with player op player opt outs and no fans, all of that. It's not fair to judge the the league, but I think it is without uh, some question different. Uh, let me leave you with this because yesterday we had a bit of this conversation because I think Kyrie wants Kobe to be the uh, he's kind of championing the charge to change the NBA logo. And Adias, even though he's off today, I'm going to say something nice about him. Um, he thinks that the NBA should have some alternate logos, like teams have alternate uniforms and their own logos and incorporate multiple different former NBA greats uh, into the logo. Do you have an, a feel on this? They already do that with so many different things. The NBA does a great job of bringing guys back. You have a logo. You roll with the logo. Like, why are you changing it? Like, it makes no sense to me. Are you going to change Bucky Badger's logo? Are you going to change that logo? Well, I, th- like, I mean, obviously, I'm not speak. I'm not, uh, you're, you're not naive about this. The concept is that it's Jerry West from the 50s and 60s, and he's a white uh, logo in the NBA that is a very minority-driven league. Okay. Well, that's part of the history. That's the, I, I and I, I understand that I, I get that. I, there's no reason to change the logo. There's no reason. Like I'm 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 big on that. Like I'm, I think it's just absurd. Um, I think it's one of those just by with Kyrie. Like and I understand adding that. I think there's different ways you can do it, go about. You know, making sure you get everybody in from the 50s, 60s, 70s. But if it wasn't for the this is what Kyrie doesn't understand. If it wasn't for the 50s and 60s, those players playing. He wouldn't have the platform he had. Yeah, it could yeah. be the ABA. So that would have been maybe the ABA would have taken over, Then that would have been a different logo. Like yeah. the reason it took over is because the people before you respect that, understand that. Now there's ways that you could do it. I'm all for representing having Kobe represented in a different way, um, and, and all that. I, I just think that the the thought process is somewhat there with Kyrie, but I think you forget about the past, and I think you forget about why you're making $120 million. Yeah. Like, it started somewhere. You've got you to look at that. It's no different than, you know, the, the you know, we'll use college, right, or whatever. It's no different than who came before um, at, at the colleges, right? Is Duke going to change their logo because Kyrie played there? Like, I mean, I just, or is Duke going to change their logo because Zion was there? Or is it bigger than one individual? Yeah. Like, the logo is Jerry West, yeah, but the logo is what it is. Like, it's not like, that's just an example of a man. Like, it's not, I don't look at the logo and say, oh, they, the NBA made that because of Jerry West and because he was, you know, a white guy. No, it, it, it just works with it, right? Like, it's not, I don't know. It's just kind of yeah. how I feel with no, it. No, I get you. Um, all right. Well, listen. Go uh, go enjoy your weekend. 
Are you working this weekend? You got games? I'm not. I am not. Right. I am home Another this weekend, weekend, which is off. a good thing. And yeah. We, uh, it, it's a rarity. We, uh, since November 25th, there hasn't been many weekends that have been free. So, yeah. um, we'll, uh, we'll enjoy it with the little ones and, uh, and do that, have some games on and then, uh, get ready for the big 10 tournament. Yeah. Uh, and next weekend, I, I'll, I'll be working again a little bit more and, um, don't get ready for the big 10 tournament, the NCAA tournament. And hopefully we get through this. Very good. Brian Butch, enjoy it. Appreciate your time. Have a good weekend. We'll talk again next week. All right. Thanks. Brian Butch joins us Fridays on the program. All right. So here, didn't have time to to debate it. I don't need to debate it with Brian. However, I would say this about the logo. I am in favor of the alternate logos. Keep the Jerry West silhouette as an NBA logo, but introduce two others a Jordan and a Kobe. And maybe those will be alternated out at some point down the road. I have no issue with that. I think it's more representative. I think that there is an honor to that that makes a lot of sense to me. And I it does allow you to respect the history of the game on the Jerry West silhouette and also roll this game a little bit forward in how it's viewed. Is the logo at the front and center of everything? No. Is it the face of the league? No. However, I think it would be a good move to introduce a couple of alternate NBA logos that might include Jumpman, that lo- uh, Jordan logo, and Kobe. I would be all in favor of that. I would have no issue moving forward in that regard. Uh, If you want to share in on that, you can. Second hour of the program coming up. Matt LaPay will join us at 335. Four o'clock hour, John Ziegler, Channel 27 Meteorologist. One hour in the books. Two more yet to go. By the way, it's three hours a day, every day. This is the Mike Heller Show, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And we are Fox Sports 1070 and on the iHeartRadio app. This is the Mike Heller Show. Brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Made pure. Everyone loves White Claws. Call or text the show at 1-877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Heller Sports. Alongside John Adias, here's Mike Heller. Got into a little bit of this discussion yesterday with uh, Rob Vogel, mostly friend of show. Sometimes he's just a contrarian, uh, but mostly friend of show on the logo side of things. And he was uh, talking about Harmon Killebrew and the silhouette um, of Major League Baseball. There's uh, disputing claims on whether that's Harmon Killebrew or just a composite. The silhouette is very basic And in fact, it's so ambiguous that the batter in that logo can be viewed as either a right-handed or left-handed hitter. And I don't know that it is uh, racially specific. Certainly, I mean, the NBA logo is a Jerry West logo. It's a Jerry West silhouette. And, you know, 
uh, I don't have a problem with that concept. And I don't think it needs to be changed based on the race of the athlete that is kind of silhouetted in this case in the logo. However, from an NBA standpoint, I have no issue. I'm not going to sit here and pound the table and say this needs to have this needs to happen. However, John Audius brought up a really good point yesterday. It doesn't happen very often, so I really want to um, you know kind of accentuate it. When John has that, you know, three, four times a year, when he hits on something that he's actually right about, I want to make sure we make a point of it. The multiple logos associated with the NBA, that concept would be perfect. I think it fits. I think the Jerry West logo icon stays. I think potentially the Jumpman, although there are copyright issues, I don't know if if it's Jumpman or one of the Kobe, they could be alternate logos shared equally and you know because of the way the NBA frames its logo that it's the NBA from a color scheme and the way it is that vertical um, rectangular box the NBA logo is protected it can still be Jerry West but it can also be Kobe and it can also be Michael it could be Bill Russell it could be any of these affiliated iconic players that have played in the NBA but I think we all know that when we see the logo, depending on your age, you're going to know, oh, that's Jerry West. You know the story behind that. That's Jerry West. The game, you have to remember its history. Brian Butch is talking about it. You have to remember where you came from. You do. And you have to also acknowledge that pathway didn't end when the logo was made of Jerry West. The pathway continued through Dr. J, through Charles Barkley, through Larry Bird, through Magic Johnson, through Michael Jordan. It it, it continues through Kobe, continues now, including LeBron. Not that all of them have to be featured as a logo, but the concept of multiple alternate logos. Every team in the league has alternate logos. Why can't the league have alternate logos? And again, it's not me. I I wouldn't go die on this island. But the idea that's out there, to me, seems, looks, feels like a good idea. And it's not the cancel culture. It's not. It is recognizing where the game has come from and that pathway forward. Not just the 1950s and 60s. And, and, you know, to me, that makes sense. Whether I would, you know, would I sit here and pound the table on it? Probably not. However, I like the idea, and I don't find fault in it at all. I would want to keep the Jerry West iconic NBA logo in rotation as part of the NBA always logo. But I think there is certainly room to generate further views rolling forward in in a very diverse league from a time... In, the, in its past, when it wasn't. You know, the NFL didn't do it. They, don't, they have the shield, so it's not player-driven. Major League Baseball is a silhouette, and some will say it's Harmon Killebrew, but the artist that did it says it's multiple different, and it's ambiguous in its nature to be either... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. They're left-handed or right-handed, and it's not specifically on Harmon Killebrew. So, anyway, we, we can... We can leave that, but if you want to weigh in on it, you can. The Stone Innovations Talking Text Line is open. It's a Friday edition of the Mike Heller Show. My name's Mike. Show is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. No John Audius today. So that means when I say the Stone Innovations Talking Text Line at 877-729-1070 is open, I mean it's more open today than on just about any other day. I mean, Jenna's in here doing the board for me, but... Jenna didn't watch the Bucks in New Orleans Pelicans last night. Oh, well, I'm guessing. Am I right? Yeah, it's Jake in the head no. Um, she didn't watch Michigan and Iowa last night. Is that correct? Again, shaking her head no. Um, so it's me, and and then it's you. So the Stone Innovations talking text line is there for you at 877-729-1070. We will spend time visiting with Matt LePay. He'll join me at 335. I don't know if he's gonna if he's aware yet, but he's on for like 20 minutes. <laughs> hey, thank you. Typically, when we have a guest on, um, y- you might not notice, but typically we do. Those guests are anywhere from 8 to 10 to 12 minutes. But on days when the host is solo, those guests, you know, Brian Butch was on for 22 minutes. I don't know if he planned for that. Hey, Matt, if you're listening, plan on 22 minutes-ish to be on the show today. Okay, so a couple of other things. Player power. Somebody had had, uh, texted me or tweeted at me, I think it was a tweet earlier in the day, when we talk about quarterbacks, never have they had as much power. And I I don't mean never, like never. There aren't, you know, one-offs because Eli Manning was a one-off. John Elway was a one-off. When they entered the league, they changed the dynamic by saying, I won't go there. They changed what, what happened. By, by putting it out front and center, that I'm not going there. Not going to the San Diego Chargers. John Elway made it really clear where he wouldn't go. But I'm talking about quarterback power today. To point the greatest example of a quarterback kind of dictating his future and maybe being mishandled at some level by the organization is Kirk Cousins and his time in Washington and then to Minnesota. So, and he is, we've had this conversation many times, Kirk Cousins is an average to at the very best, a good quarterback. Average is the floor, good is the ceiling for Kirk Cousins. You can win with that. I don't know how often you can win with that. I don't know if you can win a Super Bowl with it, but it doesn't happen very often. All right? He's the best example. But right now, multiple examples. A year ago, Tom Brady, at 42, making a move from New England where they just didn't have bodies anymore, and he did what LeBron has done, what KD has done, what Steph Curry did in recruiting. He went, he got to pick his team. 
He picked the right one, brought his intangibles to the table, and then they brought in others. And Brady has done it by taking less money throughout. I don't know if we'll see that from other quarterbacks, but Brady has never you know, signed that super huge deal where he is easily the NFL's highest paid player, and there's a pride factor there. Brady has shifted the paradigm there. His deal is about titles. His deal is about best team scenario, and that's different. And it's why I've had this argument for such a long time. I don't think Brady is the best at playing the position of quarterback in the NFL over the last 15 years. He is the best at winning. That There's an intangible that goes with it, and he was in the right scenario. And people are going to say, well, you know, Colin says it all the time, that Brady has won the divorce. Look, Belichick is not getting it done. Those who will claim that this was, you know, either more Belichick or more Brady are winning now because Brady is winning. So if they said it was Brady before, now they're getting, uh, you know, verified in that view. I'm, I'm not one of them. I think that it was a perfect marriage in New England for a lot of years. That Bill Belichick is one of the great coaches at any sport, at any time, that we've ever seen do their work. And he skirted the edges of what you can and can't do from being legal, a cheating standpoint. But he is simply one of the greats in any sport at any time for an extended period of time as a head coach. And Brady, in concert with that, has been brilliant in the way he operates, what he demands of his teammates, how he demands it of his teammates, and then what he does on the field. But I don't think singularly and standing alone from playing the position that I would emphatically say Tom Brady is the best I've ever seen do it. There's so many things that go into play. But he chose to leave New England and made the right choice of where he went and then what he got in Tampa in bringing in others and what he demanded of those, what he expected of those, that Hold yourself to a greater accountability. He does it. It's one of the reasons I like J.J. Watt coming to Green Bay, if indeed that happens, that I think he brings some of that. Even though he had one at Houston, not at the highest level, I do think a presence that he brings would be huge. Because, by the way, there's not. this is still an apple-oranges conversation on comparing J.J. Watt at this point to comparing Reggie White. However, Reggie had also not won when he came to Green Bay. And I know Reggie didn't have the injury history that J.J. does, but Reggie had not won. So when somebody says, well, J.J.'s not won, I'm not talking about that part of it. I'm talking about an attitude, a demeanor, an accountability standpoint. I think Watt brings that. But when we talk about quarterback power in the league, we're in some unprecedented time. Deshaun Watson has laid it out not going to play for Houston. I don't know how that's going to play itself forward. Houston is wildly dysfunctional right now. and they, they That's a mess. If you could be relegated, if this was uh, the, the Premier League and you could have relegation, Houston, in the direction they're going, would be staring relegation in the face. Franchise is in significant trouble. They've got problems, and it's deep. And Deshaun Watson is their next one and most important one. I don't know what they're going to do. Deshaun Watson leads that that power. Dak Prescott 
has been mismanaged in Dallas. Russell Wilson looks at the situation and says, I am not going to demand a trade because it's not my nature. However, through my agent, if if they were going to trade me, I'm only going to one of these four teams. Is he going to be traded? I don't know. Shoot. If he is, Dallas seems to be a really good landing spot. But we're seeing mobility in the league from a quarterback standpoint. I can't tell you that I think it's good, but there is another element to it. And that is, and this was uh, tweeted to me, we've discussed it before, and I totally agree. There's, there's a position in the NFL that needs to have its own salary cap, and that's the quarterback position. It's treated differently than any other position in the league. It's a hard cap in the NFL. I mean, you're talking about $180 million-ish for the salary cap this year. And if they're going to tag Dak, I think it's 37 and a half. You can't make something work when one player, even if it is the quarterback, is taking 20%-ish of the team's cap number. That's what we're talking about in Green Bay, too. They are handcuffed on Aaron Rodgers' money. And somebody's going to say, well, why doesn't he take less like Brady? Well, Brady's a different storyline, but yeah, that's a fair question. Why doesn't he take less? Or why don't they put a separate cap out for the league in the National Football League that says the quarterback position is in this cap range and everything else is here? Control the dollars associated with the quarterback position in the league and then siphon out everybody else to have that be your cap number. 52 players on that cap number rather than the 53 that includes the quarterback. It would solve a lot of issues. The league is hard-pressed to figure out how does a team compete after the quarterback gets off the rookie contract unless the quarterback and the team through the league is ridiculously creative and sacrificial from the player standpoint in the money they get and or when they get it. That conversation up for grabs. What we saw last night, little bucks, little Big Ten basketball, all of that on the table. When we come back, the Stone Innovations talking text line more open today than it was yesterday. And tomorrow it'll be closed. How about that? Dial in 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. Matt LaPay will join us after the bottom of the hour. The next segment, more of what we saw last night, what you want to talk about as well. Join in. This is the Mike Keller Show. Three hours a day, every day, the Mike Keller Show is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And we are Fox Sports 1070 and on the iHeartRadio app. So the NBA had to replace uh, a spot on their all-star roster in the Eastern Conference with Kevin Durant now officially out uh, at least through the all-star break. And they have done that with DeMontis Sabonis, not Chris Middleton. So Middleton having a year very similar to the years he's had in the past. And it appears unless there is another opt-out or an injury situation that Middleton is going to not be in this year's NBA all-star game. I don't know that it's a huge – maybe it's a huge deal to him 
ultimately, I don't think it's a significant deal, but we'll uh, pay attention to that as we roll forward. Uh, I want to share with you um, some sound from Kristen Yelich. So the Brewers will play their first exhibition game uh, coming up this Sunday. So the full squad workout's going on. We know in the 60 games last year that the Brewers, Kristen Yelich, who was the MVP two years ago, was close to the MVP, um, well, three years ago, then close to the MVP two years ago. Last year, it just was not a good year. 60-game sample set, and he was not good. This is a little extended conversation with Kristen Yelich, a couple of minutes long, talking about the year-to-year vagaries that go on in the league and individually, also about his penchant or lack of that, for being in in-game video, which they couldn't do last year to study your swing, and then just baseball and the vagaries of being a hitter in Major League Baseball. Here's the former MVP, Milwaukee Brewers, Kristen Yelich. I thought it was pretty much all around terrible. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It just wasn't It wasn't good. Uh, but, hey, it is what it is, man. It's baseball. That stuff happens. Can't change it now. Can't do anything about it. Uh, you know, I tell you guys every year that good or bad, the the previous year doesn't really mean anything. You can't do anything about it. Um, so whether you were an MVP the previous year, or you sucked. Uh, you know, everybody starts at zero um, in in spring training in a new year. And you know, we live in a business where it's a what have you done for me lately? And, uh, you know, what I've done lately is is play terribly. So. Um, you know, looking forward to a, to a fresh start and, and getting you know, start on a new year. I'm not a big in-game video guy. I just don't like it. I, I feel like whatever swing you have that day is the swing you have. I don't love trying to make too many in-game adjustments or watch all my swings or do all that stuff after I pass because, like, hey, it's not the time to change it, in my opinion. So I, I'm more of a, a pre-game video guy. Like, watch maybe I'll watch the previous nights at bats or something like that. But as far as in-game, uh, never really been my thing. So it wasn't a factor for me last year. I mean, it, that was fine for me. Uh, baseball, you know, it's just a weird game. You take a sample of 60 games and uh, that stuff can happen. I, it's just, you know, sometimes you hit the ball hard and they catch it and they're standing there. Sometimes you don't hit hard and nobody's there. It's a hit. So that's always been the game of baseball, will always continue to be the game of baseball. And, I feel like some years you're really lucky, some years you're not. Um, but there was a lot of factors that really went into it. And after looking back on it and kind of understanding it, that I have a feeling knowing kind of what happened and hopefully able to turn that around this year. It's Christian Yelich talking about uh, a, a number of things. You know, the – the open admission, and listen, the numbers are going to stand on the, on their own merits, uh, that he was, um, in his own words, terrible a year ago and never found a way out. I we have total belief in the talent that he has that this year will be greatly different. And by the way, if Yelich returns to that MVP-like form that we've seen from him the previous two years when he won the MVP and was razor thin margin away from winning a second one after he had shattered his knee on a, on a foul ball the first weekend of September uh, two years ago. I think he returns that. And if he does, that the Milwaukee Brewers, I said it a, a week ago on the show, 
I think they're the best team in the division. Now, it's not very often we've said that about the Brewers when they begin a run um, to begin a season, but I do think from a pitching rotation, a closing uh, element in the out of the bullpen, that this team, if Yelich also returns, that this team is the favorite to win in the NL Central. And uh, I think it should be really entertaining to watch. By the way, on the watching the Brewers front, this is really under-talked about. We're sitting on um, a month and four days, five days-ish, five weeks until the Brewers begin the regular season. It's April 1st that they begin the regular season. Right now, if you are a cord cutter, if you don't have charter spectrum, if uh, if you don't have DirecTV, I consider that to still be you know in the cable satellite era. If you're a cord cutter, if your TV is, um, if you glean it from... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. YouTube TV, for example. You do not have the Milwaukee Bucks currently, nor will you have the Milwaukee Brewers. That Mark Atanasio addressed in when he met with media earlier this week at Maryvale with the Brewers at their spring training complex. And he talked about that that is something that is very important for them to get worked out. But I, can, I mean, right now, it's not worked out. If you aren't cabled or satellited from your TV provider, if you are a cord cutter, if you're getting TV from YouTube TV and other scenarios like that, you are not seeing the Milwaukee Brewers when they open on April the 1st because Fox Sports Wisconsin is not there. I fully expect, and by the way, Fox Sports Wisconsin, I've said this before, is going to change to Bally Sports Wisconsin at some point, spring, early summer, whenever that timing is. And, and But that deal doesn't change until they get it changed. So right now, the current iteration of Fox Sports Wisconsin, it's not there for you. And that is something that is really problematic especially in a market the size of Milwaukee and Wisconsin from a television standpoint because we have a growing number of people that have cut the cord from cable and satellite you know it's different than that whole LA deal had had this uh that existed for them on a Dodgers contract and certainly the New York metro complex was was rocked when they didn't have um non-cable or over the air access to their teams this can happen, and right now it's in a position of which if they don't get it rectified that there will be many of you who won't see Brewers baseball because it's not there for cord cutters. It's not viable right now. So that is a storyline to pay some attention to, even though, I mean, do you have influence? Sure, at some level. Uh, do you have a, a, a way to fix it? Yep. <laughs> That's right now in its current concept. It would be to... Go back to the hardline cable or the the satellite to find your provider that includes 
Fox Sports Wisconsin or what will become Bally Sports Wisconsin. That's an issue, something to pay attention to. Don't get caught off guard. If you can't see Bucks games on Fox Sports Wisconsin now, you won't see Brewers games. Same concept. They're both in play. Uh, a guy that's uh, certainly familiar with Brewers games on the television, Matt LePay, the voice of the Badgers, will spend a little time uh, joining us. And when I say a little time, Matt might not be aware, but it's going to be, you know, I'm going to keep him here for a while. He, unless he just hangs up. We'll see how how f how much effort he gives to trying to get off the line as we talk to Matt LePay. He will join us on the other side. It is Badgers and the Fighting Illini tomorrow. Uh, just three games remaining in the Big Ten regular season for Badger basketball. Spend a little time with the voice, Matt LePay. That happens when we come back. Three hours a day, every day. It's the Mike Keller Show presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And we are Fox Sports 1070 and on the iHeartRadio app. is the Mike Heller Show. Brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Made pure. Everyone loves White Claws. Call or text the show at 1-877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Heller Sports. Alongside John Adias, here's Mike Heller. All right, so we continue on on this Friday afternoon, rolling through the midway point of the show. We're just past the midway point of the show. Uh, the second half getting underway right here. Halftime adjustments, one of them was to get Matt LePay on the phone. Matt LePay joins us on the program. Matt, how are you? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? <laughs> Good. They talk about halftime adjustments a lot in, in sports, and you, you visit with coaches all the time. Do we make too much of halftime adjustments? I think what we don't do in our business, we uh, if, if it's the spoken word or the written word, we talk about, yeah, they made a lot of adjustments, but we never really explain what they are. <laughs> right, because we don't know typically. <laughs> like, right. Oh, they shot football, right? Oh, they made a lot of adjustments defensively. What did they do? Well, I don't know. They got some stops. <laughs> they, they picked off a couple passes. Um, uh, what I have found, especially in, in maybe basketball even more so than football, a lot of times adjustments are very subtle. Yeah. Um, you know, is a ball screen at the top of the key or is it a, is it a side pick and roll, uh, a top of the key pick and roll that, that kind of thing. But yeah, I think that is our, that is one of many crutches we have as media members, sure. ever popular yeah. halftime adjustments, yeah. even though a lot of times we don't have a clue what they are. I was, uh, as probably along with you spending some time watching Iowa and Michigan last time, visited with Brian Butch in the first hour of the show today and we've said this a few times now, Michigan's got it going. Uh, there aren't many weaknesses to what they put out there, and you and I have visited on this about the Wolverines, but they're a pretty impressive squad to watch go do their work right now. They really are. I remember talking with Greg after the first game when they played him in Ann Arbor, and you know, obviously the wheels fell off that night for, for the Badgers. But just in terms of the raw talent, you know, he was, we were talking, he said, you know, you can see him on television, but when you see him in person, it's even, you come away more impressed with the size of a Hunter Dickinson, um, the all around game of, of, of Wagner, Franz Wagner, uh, what Isaiah Liver, Livers does, what Mike Smith has brought, 
at the guard spot in, in places. Xavier Simpson, they guard you. You know, they can get in and grind with you. Kind of like probably what we were talking about earlier in the week, Mike. Um, if you want to go up and down, they'll do that. Uh, they proved that in the Ohio State game. If it's going to be more of a half court game, they'll really get into you. You know, if they want to turn up the heat, they'll they'll pressure you in a little full court or three quarters look. They'll make you work harder to bring it up the floor. They just get you out of rhythm offensively. And the fact that they have probably at least three pros on the roster, I mean, I, I just think they're the the best team in the league. And it's easy to say given their record, but I just think they don't have a glaring weakness and, and a team that if things line up right for them can make a very, very deep run in the tournament. Matt, Greg addressed it only uh, on the surface, uh, uh, whether it was yesterday or the day before, kind of running together, about this year's group of players and the eligibility question. Because the, the way college basketball is working this year, uh, the players can choose to return. What does that look like? I know it's not discussed openly with many of the players right now, but in a few weeks certainly it will be kind of out there and decisions to be made. What does that look like as far as – this really uh, veteran group of players and determining whether they want to go at it again? Yeah, it's, it's going to be the fascinating question in all of college sports, right? I mean, we're in for a fascinating period of time with roster management, with the name, image, and likeness closer and closer to being a reality. I mean, we're talking about some major game-changing things in, in sports, but specific to this, you know, all these guys are holding their cards uh to themselves right now. Yeah. Everything's very close to the vest in terms of what they want to reveal publicly. I have to think, I just have to think that all of them have thought about it. Even, you know, Greg has mentioned that he told the players, look, this is what's, this is what's going on. The eligibility clock freezes. And then you revisit it at the end of the season. I, I don't know realistically, Mike, if more than, you know, one, maybe two. And I, I there, those are, somewhat uneducated guesses on my part. Uh, but, you know, Trice is 24. You know, yeah. Aleem is 24. I would think, that, you know, they're kind of going to look to move on. Nate Reavers has two degrees. Micah Potter's getting married. And so, yeah, so they have right. big yeah. picture decisions to make. But I, I, I really, I don't honestly know um, for sure what what each is going to do but I, I can't imagine more than more than one or two i like with brad with trevor um you know maybe but but i really i don't know where they where they sit i would imagine though they they may have an idea but when the season is over my guess is we'll find out pretty quickly whether whether they will come back for for one more season but i i don't think most of them will yeah uh, and this season is uh, we're looking at the horizon on it, and uh, and the end of it is there. Uh, they've got a game against uh, the Fighting Illini tomorrow, 1 o'clock at the Kohl Center, uh, then at Purdue and at Iowa to close it out before the Big Ten tournament. I'm going to ask a similar question to what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. What is it you think that they're looking at in getting done in the style of play, the way – I know they want to win every game, but – what do they need to do to be back where they're feeling a, a sense of confidence going to both the Big Ten tournament and beyond? Yeah, it's, just, it's the thing that Orlando Tucker has talked about during the week and, and chatting with him a couple of days ago. They're just that 
the good feeling of, of the most simple thing seemingly in basketball is seeing the ball go through the yeah, hoop, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're for the most part getting quality shots. I know people get tired of hearing that. Um, there are times they're, they'll take a quick shot. It'll be forced or it's a late shot clock desperation eve. But at this point, you're not going to reinvent yourself. Um, as a team, you kind of are who you are stylistically. And this is a team that I think is is mentally very tough. It proved that last year. I, I bristle when I hear or see on, on you know the the uh, the fake tough guy on Twitter or sure. whatever they yeah. call this team soft. I, I don't think a soft team would do what this team did last year. Physically, no, they're time they're not going to match up in in bulk with the Hunter Dickinsons or the Kofi Coburns of the world. So in other words, this is a team that's just going to have to when it gets open looks from three point range, you got to knock those down. Yes. You would like to get to the free throw line a little bit more. You'd like to see Jonathan Davis can manufacture his shot. We have seen examples of that. We've seen Dimitri Trice show an ability to do that. If there's a way to do that a little bit more, and maybe each guy gets to the foul line a couple, four, three, four times more a game, that would be awesome. But with this team and the way it was made up last year, and the makeup of it this season, when the open looks are there, just knock them down. You don't have to shoot 50% from three, but if you can knock down two, three more, or four of those, more sh- of those shots every game, it can make all the difference in the world. In the first Illinois game, Mike, the, the tempo of the game was probably where the Badgers needed it. You know, Illinois didn't, they didn't run out and blitz them uh, in transition a lot, but Wisconsin was four for 24 from three. And this isn't the kind of team that's going to overcome that. Illinois with its personnel last, last night, it was about the same. I think, you know, three, four for 23 or whatever, but they can get to the free throw line. They're not a great free throw shooting team necessarily, but they can score they can get to the line enough where they can score enough at the free throw line. They can get the ball in the paint. They can hit mid-range jumpers. They can overcome that with their personnel, I think, in, in a more manageable way than, than the Badgers can. And to me, if they, if they can get the three-point percentage mid to upper 30s, that could go a long way in making this team a tough team to beat. And tomorrow, Illinois is not at full strength. They haven't been throughout the week, but again, they won't be in that matchup tomorrow at the Kohl Center. Sounds like it. You know, with Io Dosumu, they, they keep saying, you know, you broken nose, but they've also said that it might be a little bit more than that, and they're, they're being vague like most programs are. I mean, he took a pretty good shot uh, to the face in that game against Michigan State, and, and Dosumu is a guy, that's one of the great uh, – and fun debates right now as to who the big 10 player of the year is. Is it Luca Garza or is it Io Dosumo? And uh, I think you can make compelling arguments for either. Um, but I would imagine that uh, I, I think if you're the Wisconsin, Mike, you're assuming that Dosumo is going to play. Yeah. If you're Illinois, you're thinking, you know, we're not going to win the league. Um, let's make sure he is all the way back or as close to all the way back as he can be. And if that means sitting him for another few days and get him ready for postseason, maybe that's the best plan of action. I know Brad Underwood has told the media down there that they have no intention on putting the Sumu at risk unnecessarily. Sure. So 
um, it, it's a hit for Illinois. It's it, obviously for Wisconsin uh, that would increase their chances uh, if Dosumu doesn't play. But uh, but they're they're under the assumption that he will. So then let me transition with a couple of final thoughts here. We just played a couple of minutes earlier in the hour with Kristen Yelich. Um, so they're, they're on full go. They'll, they'll play a, an exhibition game, the first one coming up on Sunday. Um, Yelich was an extraordinary storyline a year ago because that what we saw from Kristen Yelich was the most unexpected thing I think I saw in all of baseball last year was, was his struggles. It shows you how delicate that high line of, of extreme play can be in the league, but he he gets it, you know, and if you think a guy's going to return back, he would be one of those you think would be able to find his footing again to be a great player, which he's been. He is really, you know, he's a pretty mild-mannered guy, but he's really good at self-motivating. Um, I, I just... It was funny when he won the MVP in 2018, all the offseason talk and all the projections where he was going to have a regression. And then he, you know, he went out and was in line to be MVP again until he got hurt in Miami in September. But in April of 19, he was historically good. I mean, it was just, it was incredible. And every now and then he would say, yeah, that's my regression. You know, he would just jab in there (laughs) at his, at his critics and I always go back with Yelich to, to last year in their summer camp. I mean, he, he sent out the warning flare that he said, look, there's a lot of really good players who could end up having really bad years because you're in a 60-game season. You know, Andy Haynes has talked about that. A lot of guys are trying to have a great season every at-bat. Yeah. Right? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. You, you just and, and who knows, if they play a full season, Yelich and a lot of other guys who had tough years, maybe they get things fixed and, and they end up having numbers similar to what we're used to seeing. But uh, Yelich is interesting to me in that he is a brutally tough self-critic. He'll tell you the what, but he's not going to reveal much as to the why. Yeah. If he's hitting really well or not hitting at all. Uh, I, I'm not much into the world. I'm going to make an exception to a rule. I'm not much into the world of that hot take, he's going to be, you know, so-and-so is going to be great, this team's going to win this, that, or the other. But with Yelich, I'm, I'm inclined to. I mean, if I was a nice guy, I'd feel sorry for pitchers in the National <laughs> yeah. League because Yelich, he might take them all to the woodshed this year. I just, I think this guy, a lot of guys do it. You know, we see at the college level, the, the professional level. You, 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 sometimes you manufacture an enemy, but but Yelich was so disgusted with with the way he performed last year that I would think he could he could light it up. But we also have to remind ourselves, Mike, that the entire division didn't hit well right. last year, and yeah. maybe maybe a good part of that was the entire division had some pretty good pitching, but the the offense was down. I think especially in the NL Central. Uh, but I think if we can have a normal season or something close to a normal season, 
I think Yelich and a lot of other guys who struggled will get back to what they're used to what they're used to producing. Yeah, and, and I'll leave you with this. Along with Yelich, which we, we just discussed, what most interests you? Is it the left side of the infield? Is it the the combination of uh, Narvaez and Garcia? Whether they can do something? Is it the Colton Wong and uh, Keston Hira right side of the? What is most interesting to you? as they begin to work their way through camp and begin the season on April 1st? Yeah, in some ways, it's all of the above. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm interested to see how Keston Hira handles first and to make sure that the transition to becoming a, a solid first baseman doesn't, in, it doesn't affect his hitting. He was another guy who had a tough year, but you know he can hit. Um, at least we think we know yes, that, that right, he can right. hit at a very high level for a long period of time in, in the major leagues. But I, I think I'm going to go back to the offense, not just Yelich. Um, you know, Garcia is a much better hitter than what we, we saw last year. I know he lost a bunch of weight and really dedicated uh, himself in the offseason to fixing what happened last season. Omar Narvaez, it was a flip of what, the, what he was billed as coming, coming in. Not a great catcher, but he could hit, and we saw the flip of that. He actually was was very good behind the plate, but he he has proven to be a good major league hitter. I, I, I want to see this this group put more pressure uh, on on defenses, put more pressure on on opposing pitching staffs because I, I think that this can be a very good team offensively. You get Yelich back to form, Narvaez, Garcia, Hira comes back. You've got Kane returning. You got a lot of guys who can swing the bat. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued with Shaw. Yeah. You know what? How is this going to work out for him? Because at his best, this guy was good. I mean, yes. a lot of power. You know, he played third base. He was certainly plenty good enough over there. Um, but I just I want to see this team apply pressure offensively the way I'm. I'm certain it can because enough guys have a body of work. Not named Christian Yelich. A lot of other guys have a body of work that tells you that they are a much better hitting team than what we saw a year ago. With you 100%. Uh, well, I'll look forward to the uh, and look forward to listening to the call tomorrow against the Illini, and we'll visit on Monday with a lot to look back on. All right, sounds good, Mike. Have All a good right. weekend. Thank you, Matt. Matt LePay, the voice of the Badgers, also works uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers on the television side. You know, he didn't appear to be in any um, – he wasn't rushing to get out of here like some people we've had on. You know, you can tell, okay, uh, I'm getting out. And I kept Matt for the full shoot. How long was that, Jenna? That was like 23 minutes, 22 minutes. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Appreciate that. We got one hour yet to go and plenty to get to, including a little visit on the weather. But we'll go well beyond talking about the weather with John Ziegler, Chief Meteorologist at uh, at Channel 27 here in Madison. He'll join us at about 20 minutes past the hour. Also get back to the talking text line, Stone Innovations talking text line on the items we have covered. We continue to win one more yet to go, three hours a day, every day. This is the Mike Heller Show, and we are Fox Sports 1070 and on the iHeartRadio app. The Mike Heller Show. Brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Made pure. Everyone loves White Claws. 
Call or text the show at 1-877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Heller Sports. Alongside John Adias, here's Mike Heller. All right, third and final hour of the program, 15th hour of the show for the week. Because that's what we do. We work 15-hour weeks. I know some of you work that in a day. We work 15-hour work weeks. Now, this week, Audius worked 12. Actually, he worked less than that because he left early one day. This week, Audius worked like 11 and a half hours. That's his work week. Full-time job. It's good work if you can get it. We welcome you aboard. It's the Friday edition of the Mike Heller Show, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. We're here with you until just before five o'clock, and we'll visit with John Ziegler, Channel Twenty Seven Chief Channel Twenty Seven Chief Meteorologist. He'll join us at about twenty minutes past the hour. We have weather to talk about with John, but it's not just weather. So we need to. We'll dive outside of the weather arena. I don't know exactly where that'll go, but we will. You know what I noticed? is um and Jenna is in studio with me today because Audius is out. Um Jenna's sports takes, I mean so far today she's been brilliant. Uh, everything that she has said, uh I can't disagree with. Um either on or off the air. But here's what I noticed. So so I I drive one of our company uh logoed vehicles to and from work on a daily basis. Jenna, you can actually turn your mic on and, sh- and share with me in this segment if you'd like to. I did this without advance warning, so Jenna's, uh, like, rolling her eyes at me now. Like, okay, why am I doing this? Um, so so I'm driving a company vehicle um, to and from work, and one of the issues I have with that is I am not a road rager, but I do react when other people do things to me on the road, not, like, with a... You know, I'm not giving them the salute. However, I will stare sometimes. Somebody cuts me off or they get stuck in behind me and I can't move anywhere and they want to react. But you know what I've realized there? You have to be really smart about how you handle that when you're in a station vehicle, when you're in a company vehicle, a logo vehicle. You can't react in the same way. I, I like the anonymity of being able to react differently when I was in my own car. But now I'm in, as I commute to and from, I'm in a logo car, and I can't react the same way. So I'm curious as to your, what is your level, if you had to gauge your own um, handling of road rage type situations on the road? Are you benign? Are you neutral? Do you get involved? Are you, do you have an issue? (laughs) I think I am privately uh, a road rager, but I don't think I like to express that to people yeah. outwardly and, and give the signal. Yeah. I'm worried that puts me in danger. Yeah. And, and I'm with you there. You know, my issue is with it is I have a problem with those. Okay. So I'm going to talk about the belt line for a moment. Mm-hmm. My problem on the belt line typically is those people that want to treat the belt line like the Audubon. Mm. All right, so my problem, I don't think you should be in a left lane for very often uh, unless you're going around people. Um, the speed limit on Beltline is 55. I don't think that's changed. Some people, you can tell by their plates, might not recognize that. However, if I am leaving here and going home or if I'm coming in and I'm going 63 and I'm passing people in the left-hand lane and um, Johnny Andretti rolls up behind me 
going 75, I'm not in a big hurry to get over. I will get over when I can after I go around the car that's going 56 and I'm going 63 or 64. I'm not making a whole lot of room for the 78 to 85 mile an hour guy. Those people get hot. You notice that? Oh, yeah. They're yeah. angry the if they can't get by 80, you. Yeah. I get out of their way. I'm nervous. I try to get out of their way, but I'm not going to do it too rapidly. If I mean, mm. I'm not going to put myself in a position where, oh, boy, this guy is flying up on me. I better get around this guy I'm getting around right now faster. I'm going to stay right there and get around him in my due time at 63 miles an hour. And when I get around him and can safely get back in that center lane, I will. But that person, and I say guy, it's not always a guy. That person that's going 80, that person's hot. Like, they do not like to stay behind the 65-mile-an-hour person in a 55. They want to go their 25-mile-an-hour over the speed limit and just go. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of nervous about those people, but I will on occasion if I'm very angry at said particular individual. Yeah. Uh, I will occasionally slow down to about the speed limit if they're really tailing me. Uh, is that a good decision? Maybe not, but I do it sometimes. Yeah, and then uh, so sometimes I always and I also do this, and Kari will, uh, my wife will correct me on this, <laughs> quietly correct me. If somebody has done something like that, I think is wow, I cannot believe that. I want to look at them. Like I want to get to their side and be able to look. I don't know what it is. I think I'm going to see. But Kari will say, what are you doing? Oh, I just it's just wanna... that disappointed look, though. It's, yeah. you got to show them that right. you're like disappointed, not even angry. Right, but I also want to see what they look like, as though somebody <laughs> that would drive that dumb would have a certain look about them. And, yeah. and Kari's like, and Mike, really? <laughs> Stop. Anyway, I, I don't know why I brought... Uh, the reason I brought it up is, like I said, I'm, I'm over the last month and a half or so, I've been driving, commuting with the uh, station-logoed vehicle, and I have to catch myself. I have to be completely neutral in that world. I can't get in the guy that is coming up behind you because you get this to the person that's coming up behind you that's going 85 and it's 55 and I'm passing somebody. And if they flash their lights at you, now, now I really have to stop at myself to wait until they pass me and then get behind them and flash my lights back at them because I'm very visible in the station vehicle I'm Logoed vehicle. Anyway, so there was some of that. I just I, I wanted to I, I wanted to bring that up because it's it's part of the, the deal. I know they're going to start doing some work on the Beltline now to add another lane for um, for heavy traffic. But it, it is uh, there are many 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 times where I wish I had the ability to roll my window down and put the uh, temporary uh, light on top of your vehicle and hit a siren and be able to pull somebody over. There are many times where I wish I was unmarked and I could get that guy that just went by me thinking he was just going by some schmo and he's going 87 miles an hour. And, and I'd like to be able to pull him over. <laughs> it's just weird. And, and Kari always, um, again, the voice of reason in my life, Kari said, Mike, maybe they're racing to the hospital. Maybe well, somebody they love is is delivering a baby or somebody's been hurt or any of those things, which any of those is possible, or they could just be jerks who are driving 100 miles an hour over the speed limit and don't care about anybody else other than themselves. So that's entirely possible too. I was reading this uh, storyline that was put out earlier today in the, uh, I believe it was in the New York Post by um, 
by a writer talking about Tiger Woods, and I found it to be terribly objectionable. And uh, I want to give you some of that here as well. It's Phil Mushnick. Now, I don't know a whole lot about Mushnick, but Mushnick has an issue with Tiger Woods. It appears that the issue with Tiger Woods has been long lived for Mushnick. But he begins his story on Woods, and I think some of this is actually real. But Mushnick takes it to such a level that I was like, are you kidding me? You, you got to back off. So then I had to dig in to find out where Mushnick's angst begins with Tiger, and it's been there the whole time. And it, like his whole, if you do, if you Google Mushnick and Tiger Woods, you just get a series of of columns in which he is, uh, in which he trashes Tiger, and that's okay. Listen, I, I don't think Tiger is beyond reproach. I think his the documentary on Tiger Woods was very telling about the life he has led as an adult. And there are lots of second, third, and eighth chances for incredibly popular, successful athletes to screw up. And we typically want that open-door policy to allow them back in and onto the pedestal. This is how the the storyline begins from Mushnick on uh, a piece that he put out yesterday. He says, When is much too much still not enough? In the continuing case of the media versus common sense, as per the latest Tiger Woods episode, the media have widened the chasm the public can't bridge. The long-ago vanquished honesty in addressing Woods has only confirmed that the media's disregard for conspicuous truths continue to cultivate the public's rotten faith. In other words, that... His view is that the media has exalted Tiger Woods and just lets him get away with this after this after this after this. And I do think as a whole, it's really been quite the opposite. In this regard, Tiger Woods, since he was, and this is created not by Tiger, but by his father and his mother, Tiger Woods has been placed on an athletic pedestal and lived up to it from the very early time. Now, you know, as a kid, being on Carson as a kid, um, but he lived up to it. He, Tiger Woods, in his heyday of golf, dominated the sport the way few have ever done. Maybe nobody's ever done. And that is how I revere Tiger. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is The professional, not the personal. And I'm not going to tear him down on the personal either. Now, are there issues with his crash the other day? And one of the things Mushnick does is he tries to differentiate between an accident, which the media is calling it, and a crash. And I think what we're really doing there is is really trying to split some hairs because an accident is something that happens that's not in your control. Car accidents 
Many of them are car crashes. They are in your control. Sometimes there is an accident. There was nothing that could be done. When the deer runs out in front of you with no time to change, nor should you necessarily, that's an accident. When the the car that's in the lane next to you makes a lane change and you're the one that gets hit, that's your accident. It's their crash. Okay, I don't mean to, to... We don't need to debate that. I think we all understand the difference between a crash and an accident. An accident is something that happens to you. A crash is something that you had, that you're culpable for. Tiger Woods' situation is a crash. It's not an accident, at least by what we know of it right now. You know, until or unless Tiger comes out and says, you know, um, You know, a coyote jumped out in front of the vehicle and and he was uh, trying to whatever. There's nothing that's going to change the view of Tiger Woods um, crash the other day. It appears to be something that he did or didn't do. And maybe the truth is going to come out on this. Um, And if it was involving somebody else, you would absolutely demand the truth since nobody else was on the receiving end. And this time, I mean, the official reports say that he was speeding as he crossed the center median, leaving no skid marks to indicate he applied the brakes, then rolled up an embankment. That has been determined an accident. That's what Mushnick writes. The media, again, portrayed Woods as an innocent victim. I just think that there's something going on here. Uh, Mushnick is either trying to get clicks, like I did on clicking on the story, or there's a vendetta in an issue that he has— uh, that maybe, you know, Tiger stole his lunch money or didn't grant him an interview or whatever that might be. But, you know, this whole Tiger Woods scenario that plays out from the other day, if you want to split hairs about the conversation, it's a crash, not an accident. However, the common lexicon of getting into a car wreck is to call it a car accident. Accidents come with culpability. Sometimes the accident is caused, and it's not an accident at all. But, you know, let's let that part of this play out. My guess is, and I would hope, that the L.A. County Sheriff's Department is going to dig into this and find out what was really there. The concept that they didn't, that they say they didn't suspect any any drug or alcohol, any impairment, I would hope that gets dug into. Impairment can take lots of different forms. Impairment doesn't have to be he was drinking. Impairment could certainly be on pain relievers for the back surgery that he just had and a bad cocktail of a pain reliever and something else. Uh, And you're still just as culpable in those situations. However, uh, I just thought that the Mushnick piece in the New York Post was way over the top, and there's something more in that scenario than just a columnist and talking about what he did in that piece, which was in the New York Post yesterday. We'll spend some time um, on the weather, which has been great, which makes the life of John Ziegler, Channel 27 27 Chief Meteorologist. I I know it makes his life better when the weather is good, even though he has nothing to do with it. He's just the reporter uh, in this case, the the reporter slash researcher that covers the weather. But we'll visit on some other topics as well. It is John Ziegler, Channel 27, Chief Meteorologist, that will join us when we come back as we continue in this, the third and final hour of the program. Three hours a day, every day. This is the Mike Heller Show, and we are Fox Sports 1070 and on the iHeartRadio app.
All right, so put it in the books. This is the official walk-up song now for Channel 27 scientist, chief meteorologist, John Ziegler. You chose this. Yeah, I mean, listen, I like it. That is a money walk-up song. It is a money walk-up song. Yeah, absolutely. I literally was fake walking in the newsroom just so you know that. Yeah, I don't I don't blame you. That's I would have been doing the same thing uh, on that moment. Are you wearing AirPods to make that easier? Uh no. Oh, okay. I don't, I, I'm not that cool. I'm not that hip. <laughs> okay. Listen, I, I, when we do the deal where sometimes, you know, when we get bored on the on the show and we end up talking about who if you got to spend the day with somebody, like who would that celebrity kind of um crush not uh, the opposite gender, just anybody? Uh, he would be on my list. Listen, the dude's a great golfer. Oh, yeah. um, I think he's super interesting. And uh, spending the day with Justin Timberlake uh, or on a golf course would be fantastic. I, I can't blame you. Right up there. He, he's just the swagger of all swagger. You know yeah. what I mean? Especially when you like, consider the – Yeah, especially when you consider the, the kid uh, grew up in the Mickey Mouse Club, you know, in the <laughs> Disney Channel. <laughs> He dated Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, by the way, uh, are you a scientist? Is that would that be an accurate view? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. have a BA in science. Don't worry. Okay, all right. I I, I walked with the science people. Like, I've, I've done this. Sure. So when would you have uh, first begun to be aware that you were into weather at a different level than somebody that says, "Hey, do you know what it's supposed to be like tomorrow?" <laughs> like when did I find out that I had a problem? Yeah, I, I uh, guess you could view it that way. Sure. Yeah, uh, it was young. I, I definitely, I took an obsession deep. You know, at like eight years old. I know it's really young, but I just, I knew that I wanted to get just understand the weather at a level that people knew that I had a problem. Yeah. And that's when I knew I needed to become a meteorologist. So you knew in the eight-year-old time frame what a dew point was? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I got weird with it. You know, I would, I just remember, <laughs> you know, trying to do models when I was like 10, yeah. 11, you know. When's the first time you got to step in front of a green screen and see how that part of it played? Because that's the performance art of being a weather person. Yeah, so college, uh, I went to St. Cloud State in Minnesota. They've got a, a big program there called UTVS. Bunch, actually, a bunch of news people from here are even from there. Um, but, oh, man, I, I, I think I was a sophomore. I do everything in my power to get on to their you know little college newscast thing. Sure. Yeah. I was awful just awful really? i was probably yeah. 19 or 20 you know yeah and yeah you're just lost it's literally like you're just lost and then you're kind of like you have your whole dream your whole life you stand on a green screen and you're like oh man this dream died yeah right and uh, you know i remember uh, uh i broke in in television doing sports but i remember being in rhinelander wisconsin and steve Shear was a kid who had uh he went there just before i did he was from purdue and he was okay. So the, I mean this with affection. He was a weather geek, like I assume you are. I mean, very yeah. geeky into the the sciences of weather. Sure. And when we'd sit down and, and I'd ask him about the weather, 
like, and he would get into stuff that he wouldn't say over the air, like this is what's causing this. Within 30 seconds, I was checking to see what the Brewers' score was. You know, trying <laughs> trying to figure out. Okay, I, this was a not a good question for me to ask. Yeah. So, no. at what point did did you recognize that the geeky end of it is not really what we're very many of us are interested in? Um. <laughs> couple years in, yeah. you know, I, I what I did. I'm super. You probably wouldn't wa- think about this when you watch me, but I'm really focused on giving the people at home what they want instead of doing what I want. Sure. And how I figured this out was, I was so into. I'm like a perfectionist with my job. I would go home, and when I went home to visit my folks, I would stare at my parents at 6:30 in the morning and watch their every step. At when they watched the meteorologist, because I used to do the morning show for seven years. Yeah, right. And I, I would, I would write down. I literally write down when they're looking, when they're not looking, when they care, when they don't care, and it, it allowed me to realize, holy crap, nobody cares about our eighty percent of our weather. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you, you have to nail that twenty percent. So that just made me realize, you know, understand that. You're nerdy, and it's good to let people know that stuff so you, they know what you're talking about. But yeah. that's really the purpose behind it is I do that to build trust. Like, okay, this guy's got problems. He's super nerdy. But then I also try to – I know there's only 20% that you're going to listen to. Yeah. So I try to really say things like, you need to listen to this. This yeah, is important. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and I, I recognize it from being here for so long um, – that one of the things that people really care about, and whether it's accurate or inaccurate, which is your issue, you're you're across the bear, is how many inches of snow is in that forecast. You know, so when you're looking three days out and saying well, we could have a significant snow event, that's not enough for me to know as the viewer. We have to put you in the crosshairs to have you say this is going to be a five to eight inch snowfall. Yep. Even though, yeah. you know, do you really know? But that's what we want to know, right? I mean, that's right. you figured that part out. I have. I, people want the numbers, right? They, they yeah. What is it, Johnny? What's 6-8? Yeah. They, they're waiting for me <laughs> yeah, to right. take the leap and go for it. <laughs> um, yeah. But I've learned something back in my day from a smart man who taught me the industry. He said, Nobody cares if you're right, Johnny. Nobody. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's ever going to pat you on the back. They don't. They just don't care. They will roast you on the stake yeah, when you're, you're wrong. wrong. Yeah. So he just said, "Don't be wrong." And there's ways. <laughs> right now, listen. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm interested in this part. How do you wrong. not be wrong? Okay, let's get to that. Okay, so it's it's a psyche. Everything about weather is a psyche. It's what I mean is it's not about the exact number. It's a lot of snow in your brain, a little snow in your brain. If I go to six to 10, your brain says a lot of snow. If I go two to four, that's a little bit of snow. So it's things, um, okay, I could be wrong. Think about this. If I go six to 10 and we get five and a half inches, I was right in your brain. Sure. Because you're like, yeah, Yeah, we got a lot lot of snow. snow. If I say two to four and we get eight, you're like, dude, he said a little snow. We got a lot of snow. And we're going to roast you. Right. So it's key to just be brutally honest. I don't know. Is the sure. smartest thing I ever learned from somebody <laughs> yeah, right? because if you're honest with them when you don't know, you can't be wrong. Yeah. Well, we we so live I, in the in the same way in a live sports opinion format. If somebody asks a question about, hey, what did that guy do in the seventh inning last night? I know people in the industry that will try to walk around it without saying I don't know. But I learned right. early that if I didn't see it 
and I try to to summarize what I didn't yep. see, I'm lost, and and the listener knows it. Our listeners know when I don't yep. know. So I just say, you know what? I didn't see it. I don't know what happened right. in the seventh inning last night. I don't like to say it, but the opposite is worse. I'm so with you, and and I think with our job, that's that's what people do is they think I need to have a forecast. So if let's say I don't know what the forecast is going to be, and I and this is a joke, but this happens all the time, where we actually have a chance of one to eleven inches. Yeah, so I right. can go on, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but instead of going on there and saying three to six and splitting the difference, I, that could be a huge mistake because how many times have we seen it where you go three to six, we get one or we get eleven? Yeah, you right. know. So now I just say, and, and this took me years, but now I just go, listen, here's the four models. I'm leaning this way, but you've got to be ready for this. Yeah. And it's not, that way it's not necessarily a all be say all forecast, but you understand, like, I'll let you know exactly where I'm leaning, but I always tell people and the viewers, we're gambling here. When you're watching the show, you're gambling, okay? You're, yeah. you're at the blackjack table. Right. You got an 11, you want to double down. You got the odds in the casino. So I look at it when I'm confident, I give you an 80% chance of six inches. I'm like, listen, I mean, we're gambling still, but 80% take those odds all day long. So I look at it like I'll let the viewer ingest the information, but you've got to ultimately make the decision of what I'm telling you. Yeah. You know, and the, I don't the, know. If that no, makes I totally, I totally get it. Uh, by the way, visiting with John Ziegler, I'm probably going to keep him too long. But one more question with you before we uh, let you go today, and I, this all tips off with a really good walk-up song from JT uh, Justin Timberlake. Because <laughs> my listen, my JT was James Taylor, but I'm also right. this JT guy. So uh, really good walk-up song, and that is here. I'm going to ask you about the biggest transition in real weather here. I think we all get a little excited on Monday, right? Monday's March 1st, but really yep. um, April is the month to, to have a significant transition because April can be junky, but you know yeah. that May's going to bring, it, it's going to flip, right? So is there a month as we get through the spring that is the biggest transition, the biggest change in average high temperature, all of that stuff when we look at March, April, May? So I would pick March. I, I know April has... April will trick you more, I think, yeah. than March will, because I think we expect March to kind of be March. Um, but when you look at the amount of – I just look at it like daylight. So at the start in, in early January, you're adding just a couple seconds of sunlight every day. Yeah, You're adding over three minutes a day in March every day. So you just – by the start of March to the end – and the sun obviously matters a ton. Yeah. And by the time you get to late March, you've got so much sunshine. You, you know, even if it snows in early April, at that point, you've got the sun on your hands. I would say the first two weeks, if you had, if you asked me where the biggest transitions are of the year, I would say the first two weeks in March are literally going to be, it will tell you everything you need to know about April yeah, and May. Right? And I yeah. think this March is a big warm up. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna let you go on that one because that's that's the optimistic view to take on the way out. It's the perfect way for you to end your Friday segment today is with that. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So don't say I love it. it. I, yeah. I got a quick question. Yeah, quick shoot, question, though. shoot. Um, all right, so I always battle because I always try to be make everyone happy because I know some people like snow and cold. Do the majority of people, most people want, at this point want the snow gone? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we're, we're, we're done. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we want it gone. All right, so, we want it gone. All yeah. right, all right. If I get roasted on an email, because I no, I, I mean, cold, listen. Well, there's going to be the the loud shouters that say, "Wait, I want to cross country <laughs> ski more," and I, you know, I don't want to be off the lakes yet for ice fishing. The, the, You're the, right. Yeah, there are going to be some loud voices, but by and large, we all want it. The vast majority of us want it gone. I'm with you. All right. Okay. Well, good. If you get roasted good. on that, let right. me know. You help me tonight. Yeah. If you get roasted on that, John Audius is the one that suggested it. Okay. <laughs> All right, dude. Hey, thanks, John. John Ziegler, Channel 27 Chief Meteorologist. He joins us Fridays on the program. Um, I, I just, I think it's interesting conversation. I do get a little lost when they get into the deep. Like when I was, I was talking about talking weather with um, Steve Shear, who worked in in Rhinelander at the same time I did, or if uh, I had that conversation with somebody else that's deep into that industry. As soon as I, they get into the science of weather and really getting into it, I, I begin to zone out, and, and it becomes an issue. And then I really am trying to figure out how do I look at my phone without being rude to see what the score of the game is because I, I, it was not the question I really intended to ask. Um, anyway, all right, so there's a little Beltline conversation going on on the Stone Innovations Talking Text Line. I want to get to that, and, and I want to bring Jenna back into the fold on this too. Here, I'm just going to give you what somebody sent in to me, and then we'll discuss it on the other side. Because I, earlier I was talking about if I'm in a left-hand lane going 63 on the belt line, passing somebody that's going 55 in the center lane, when I get around them, I'm going to get back in the center lane. Well, Junction Jim said, I drive over the road a lot. Why are you moving to the center lane? You should move to the right lane unless passing. No, Junction Jim, I have a I have an issue with that. If it's a three lane road, the center and right lanes are the center lane is the standard lane, my opinion. Right lane is if I'm going to be you know exiting rather soon, or if I'm going at or slower than than normal traffic. Otherwise, center lane is full on. It's I can be there. Left lane. I got my you, you you've got an issue and I'm with you and I have one exception a significant exception a personal exception to it that I'll share and see if we're on the same page when we come back Stone Innovation Talk and Text Line is open for you if you want to be part of it 877-729-1070 rolling through last segment of the show coming up next you're listening to the Mike Keller Show, three hours a day, every day. It's the Mike Keller Show, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer, and we are Fox Sports 1070 and on the iHeartRadio app.
also a little ongoing uh, debate, uh, unintended, I think, at some level, on the show today is about a little Beltline talk. So I was talking earlier about uh, controlling, especially when you drive a logoed vehicle, um, how you react to certain traffic situations, and in particular on the Beltline. One of the things I talked about is is the um, you know the the people that want to drive really fast and and. You know, it's 55 on the Beltline. I don't go 55. Uh, full disclosure, I'm a 63, 64 mile an hour guy on a Beltline. And depending on where traffic is, maybe I'm even a little faster than that if it's going with the traffic and those people around me. And by the way, earlier I was talking about, you know, when some schmo comes up driving behind you at 85. Uh, mailman Jeff, also known as schmo. Uh, Jeff, you are not some schmo. You are a schmo. Or in your case, uh, for those people that know you, you are the schmo. So when I said some schmo, I did, certainly didn't mean you. I would know you were a schmo or the schmo. So it's different. But I was talking about if I'm passing somebody, three lanes on a belt line, if I'm passing somebody in the center lane who is going 57 and I'm going 63 or 64, I will not speed up going 63 or 64 to get by them quicker despite a schmo driving up behind me going 75 or 80. I will not touch my crews. I will get around that person in the center lane who's going 57 while I'm going 63 or 64. And when I get around him and I can see without cranking my neck in the rear view mirror that I'm clear, then I will move into that lane. And that dude going 85 that's running up on me, that's his his issue, all right? So there's part of it. But then I got this, okay? So I got one in support, all right? So um, Route Man Bob, or Route Man Rob, said, Mike, you're dead on with the belt line. It's frustrating for courteous drivers when these speed kills drivers think they're the only ones on the belt line. I travel it daily, Route Man Rob. Then I got this. From Junction Jim on the Stone Innovations Talk and Text Line. He says, I drive over the road a lot. Like all over the road? Or do you stay in your lane? Or, I mean, which one? I think he means he's an over-the-road driver, like a semi-truck driver, right? I think that's what I take from that. Uh, why are you moving to the center lane? He's asking me. You should move to the right lane unless passing. Nope. Not the truth. John in Plum City Googled it. He said, quote, from Google, quote, when there are three lanes or more, use the right lane if you're traveling at a slower speed or exiting, the left lane for passing, and the center lane for cruising. Thank you. I'm with you. That's me. Center lane. Now, here's the exception, and it's not this time of year. but And I do this, and sometimes I will get the kind of evil eye from others and I just I fully ignore it and accept it. So I have a Harley. When I am on my Heritage Softail Classic and I get on the Beltline on my commute, when I'm going on the on-ramp, I find my first opportunity to get all the way to the left-hand lane. And I will stay there and I will drive with traffic and only if I see no other traffic Will I move to the center? And the biggest reason is there is just a complete distrust with Beltline drivers on lane changes when you're on a motorcycle. And I want to be, 
I want to only have to worry about, and a lot of motorcycle riders are going to get this uh, and will agree with this. Now, if you're cruising and there's not a lot of traffic, being in the center lane is fine. But when there is a lot of traffic, I want to be in the left lane because I only have to worry about what's behind me and next to me. If you're in the center lane, you're worried about everybody. If you're in the right lane, you're worried about mergers, those who are exiting and didn't figure it out until too late. You're worried about left, right, and behind. If you're in the center lane, you're worried about right, behind, and left. And if you're in the left lane, which is where I'd like to get to on a bike, I'm only worried. I'm worried about everything, but I'm really only worried about what's coming up straight behind me and what's on my right-hand side. I don't have to worry about mergers. I don't have to worry about somebody who forgot that they were going to exit at the next exit, and now they're going to go across three lanes in a hurry and didn't look close enough. So on a bike, the safest place to be in most circumstances is all the way left. I can't tell you how often I get anger from somebody else that I'm in the left lane on a bike going 62 or 63 and they want to go 80, and the belt line is packed. And I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not leaving there. I'm going to stay there. Most motorcycle riders will tell you a similar story. They want to be in their safest spot, and by being there, I can't go 55 and stay in the left lane. I've got to go a little bit more with traffic. I've got to be above the line. I've got to be 63 or 64-ish on speed, but I'm going to stay there in most circumstances if the belt line is crowded. And I get a lot of nasties. Well, not a lot. I, I, I think some people just fully get it, but others who don't get it um, will give you, they'll either beep or they'll flash their lights or they'll do something to let you know that you're not supposed to be there. And I got news for you. On a motorcycle, that's where I'm going to be, and a lot of riders will say the same thing. It's the safest place for them to be, and if it's safe for me to be there, it's also safe for you to have me there. Nobody wants to be the person who didn't check their blind spot and and caused a, a terrible situation. Um, and I certainly have had that with mergers especially. People merging on just don't see that's why I need to be all the way left. It's not this time of year, but it is. It is an issue. I'm really surprised that I got that from um, Junction Jim, who talked about driving a lot and asking when I'm in a car now, changing back to the car concept, because I, I will cruise in the center lane. I will pass in the left, and if I were for some reason going slower than traffic, uh, whether I had a, a tire issue or some kind of a car issue, you got to be on the right. But cruising in the center lane is by definition where you're supposed to be. If I'm going 62 miles an hour on the belt line in traffic, I want to be in the center lane when I can. If the car that's in the center lane is going 55 and I'm going to the left lane to be 63 to go around them, I'm going to go around them at 63 and I'm not going to vary too much even though Schmo coming up me is going uh, behind me is going 80. Now that person can wait until I safely get around the 55 mile an hour at my 63. A lot of numbers floating around here. Like, Adius would be so confused right now on numbers. And by the way, uh, Jenna, did you see his picture? I just retweeted out his picture. He posted no. a, what should be, he said, new profile pic. And all I did was retweet it and say, oh, 
Just O. Oh. Oh, yeah. that's it's, different. Yeah. And it's really uh, like that's not that's not me saying something good, bad, or indifferent. It's just oh. I mean, the backdrop could definitely be, be better. The fridge in the background. It's a little messy, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of photos on that fridge and probably some homework. Um, but it is, um, it, it, it's an O-worthy picture. And he said hashtag, all he did was tweet it out and say with a hashtag new profile pic. And I think my, don't you think my response there is is appropriate as O? Oh, yes. That's exactly what I would say appropriately. Also, the comments to his tweet are oh, pretty boy. good. Yeah, um, yeah there's, there's some in there. Um, somebody thought it was Cheech from Tin Cup. Uh, Garrett, game changer. Garrett, who used to work here. Uh, I'll leave Andy's alone. Uh, Zach said Rocky Rococo look. Um, Rhino says you look like the worst undercover cop I've ever seen. Um yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot of reaction to it, uh, and John will have to you know he can weigh in on that reaction when he returns to the broadcast on Monday. At least I think he's returning. Although with a picture like that, he could be he could be in a movie um, by Monday. I mean, somebody might see it and 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 hunt him up. Uh, by the way, let me uh, add in that I will be on the Badger hockey call tonight and tomorrow. Brian Posick is moving over to the television side, the Badger men's hockey team, last home series of the year. It's against Ohio State, last scheduled home series of the year, against the Buckeyes tonight at 7 o'clock and tomorrow at 4. So our coverage alongside of Ian Perrin, I'll have the radio broadcast uh, tonight and tomorrow, coverage tonight at 6.30 from Laban and tomorrow at 3.30, and they will drop the puck in both scenarios, just after 7 o'clock tonight, just after 4 o'clock tomorrow. And I think the Badger hockey team right now is perhaps, and I think they are, the most entertaining team in the country to watch. And I uh, hope that you watch and or listen tonight uh, for the broadcast coverage of Wisconsin against the Ohio State Buckeyes. And then uh, tonight and tomorrow, they'll finish up the regular Big Ten campaign at Michigan State next weekend, Wisconsin could still win the Big Ten title, paying attention to what they do and then what Minnesota does in their final series next weekend to see what the numbers look like. Wisconsin hoping to stay hot uh, tonight at Lebon Ice Arena. So we'll have that going on. I'll be on the broadcast beginning at 6.30. So heading that way here shortly. Um, what did we miss? I don't think we missed anything. Uh, boys sectional finals for uh, basketball are tomorrow determining who goes to state and a weird uh, way of doing the process the girls state tournament if you're going to win a state championship you got some of them have to win two games in a day you had to in order to qualify for the state championship tonight some of them played earlier today in Oshkosh or lacrosse and having to play two games in a day which have never seen that play itself out before but these are strange times, so all that going on as well. So I think that'll take care of it. I think we're, uh, you know, in here in just a moment. Jenna's going to start playing that uh, music that that says the show is ending momentarily. There it is. Look at that. I knew it was going to happen. Uh, we'll be back in on Monday. We'll, we're going to keep an eye on watching the NFL situation over the weekend. I think the beginning next week, as Monday is the um, first day of March, I think we're going to see a lot more activity between next Monday and the 
14 to 17 days that follow. I think we're going to see a lot of activity. So we'll watch that throughout the weekend. Obviously, as I just mentioned, Badger hockey on the weekend. Badger men's basketball home tomorrow. Volleyball is uh, in a shutdown mode for the time being. So plenty of stuff uh, to pay attention to. And we'll talk to you Monday back in studio 2 to 5 on the Mike Heller Show. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.